Hi, this is Hyperwave. I'm Leah Wald. We have a guest appearance with uh, Mr. Thor today. Oh, bless you. There we go. All right. Well, we're both going to, and again, we're both going to be co-hosting today. Um, if you saw me this morning on Tones, I was adulting, but now I'm with Ty, so we're just going to have a lot of fun. So, Ty, a little bit of a, a worrying title. It says NASDAQ in trouble. What's going on? Yeah, yeah I think this is a very important vlog today. Um, I'm worried about the NASDAQ, as you know, from the last uh, month and a half or so. And uh, I, I want to bring everybody up to speed on my thinking. And uh, the reason I'm doing that is because the NASDAQ has the ability to lead the other indexes both up and down. It has been leading the other indexes, the Dow and the S&P and even the small cap and the mid cap uh, stocks, both um, uh, the growth stocks mainly, but also the value stocks, both up and down. It doesn't always do that, but it has been doing it since uh, 1995 because of tech stocks. And uh, so we keep looking at the top 10 stocks in the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100 and looking at various combinations of them. Um, but today, uh, things are looking particularly bad. Uh, and uh, I want to bring up some charts to show you why I'm saying that. They are the same charts we've been looking at, but now we're gonna update them by two weeks right through uh, the last couple of minutes. And uh, then I will draw some conclusions, but you need to listen very carefully to how I word my conclusions. Uh, this is either a very, very good buying opportunity or it's a very, very good selling opportunity. And so this is going to be nuanced and I'm not going to give advice because we don't give advice on um, to the public in general where we don't know all of the individuals. That's not fair to you, it's not fair to me, and quite frankly, it's illegal. But I will tell you what I am doing and what I am thinking. Now, along that same path, uh, we have a number of people that have requested a consulting arrangement with us. And let me just tell you very quickly what that entails. I need to get to know you. I need to know what your portfolios look like, how much experience you have, what you know about technical analysis, fundamental analysis, and I need to know uh, a lot more about what your motivations, goals, and risk tolerance are. We can't do that other than uh, direct contact back and forth. Um, I apologize to those who I have not gotten back to. I'm in the process of uh, speaking with a number of you on a person-to-person -person basis. 
But I wanted to clarify that before we get into these charts, because they could very well mean I'm about to make a number of big changes um, in my client accounts. Um, so without further ado, after laying that groundwork, let's do some screen share and start talking about the NASDAQ specifically. Ty, also, yeah. I like your, uh, your Hawaiian shirt today. Oh, good. Yeah, I feel it's uh, beautiful where I am here, and uh, I feel... Uh, that worked Thor up a little bit. <laughs> I feel like eating some pineapple. Uh, nice. Okay. Uh, the first chart we're going to look at, and we will talk about Bitcoin in just a moment. Uh, I've been tweeting out a lot of things over the last week or so that uh, most people don't agree with, but uh, I still do, and uh, we will talk about that. But today, what we're really going to do is talk about uh, the NASDAQ. Uh, those that have listened to other vlogs know that I've used this chart, which is the NASDAQ going over a very long period of time, including a hyperwave, which peaked in 2000, dropped down into a uh, five, a six, and a seven, and became a funky hyperwave because it never got back down to one. And this is the archetype of a funky hyperwave that holds either at two or three before doing something else, in this case, going into another hyperwave. Um, please go back and look at those vlogs to understand exactly what I just said. But for those of you that are up to speed on hyperwave in general, funky hyperwaves secondarily, and the implications um, of those hyperwaves, and once again, this hyperwave was world changing because it had to do with the growth of technology starting all the way back in the late 1960s. And it culminated with an over exuberance. People got ahead of themselves, which they often do in hyperwaves. In hyperwaves, what is happening is that the world is changing and as more and more people catch on, they unfortunately drive prices much higher than the fundamentals at that moment uh, rely on. And you pay the price by either going all the way back to the beginning or in this case, going back to a phase two before starting again. Um, okay. We showed you this chart, which is um, the last six months of the NASDAQ two weeks ago. And I pointed out a, another important technical uh, system that was originally called a broadening top. And then Wells Wilder Jr. did a lot of work on it. Um, the broadening top was defined by Edwards and McGee back in the late 1940s. Wells Wilder Jr. in the 1960s and 70s came up with some rules about it. And then a partner of 
mine and my and uh, and me uh, developed uh, a lot more very specific rules that we call the Selgin trading system that I haven't got got into a lot of detail except to talk about the NASDAQ. And basically what a broadening top is, is this one, two, three, four, five. And when the five is complete uh, with a drop below the low of that five, it has a very high probability of calling a top. The same thing is true on a bottom. We're looking at a weekly chart here and this is two weeks ago. We talked about it two weeks ago, and this is not updated through the last two weeks. So I'm gonna come back and refer to this chart um, in just a moment. Okay, now we're looking at the last 10 years of the NASDAQ and it's hyperwave type moves with this being in my interpretation, a three, and this being, in my interpretation, a four. So the problem with talking about the potential of dropping out of a very strong move, if a hyperwave is involved, is that the problem is you have the possibility of going into a five, six, and a seven with all the implications that we're now seeing in Bitcoin for that kind of activity. So at the time that I gave you this information, we noted that there was a lot of support along these moving averages. This moving average is a 30 week and the blue moving average is a seven week. And I'm using that on all the charts here which is approximately the same as a 50-day and a 200-day moving average. Notice on this chart that um, the blue line had flattened out and began coming down, but the longer-term 200-day, or in this case 30-week, was still moving up, and that the prices held one, two, three, four times on that line. This is two weeks ago. Now, as we move forward, looking at this chart, which is up to date right through 20 minutes ago, some things have changed. The red line is still moving up, but you can see that the blue line is now coming down very sharply. And we'll see in a minute that we're about to have a death cross with the 50 week crossing below the 200. But it's still important to note that the 200 is still moving up even though the blue line is moving down. We're going to now take a look at just the last six months, just as we did in the prior chart so that we can get a much closer look at what's actually happening. I've got the same five numbers on, one, two, three, four, five, which signals a broadening top that completed itself, which gives you an indication that the trend is changing from up to down. 
but here is today's price action on a weekly basis. This is the last weekly, uh, and we are weakening as we are speaking with the Dow and the S&P and the NASDAQ moving to new lows for the day. But look at the blue line, which is the seven week moving average and see how close it is now coming to actually breaking down below the 200 day moving average. It will occur in a number of hours, certainly into tomorrow at some point. And the only way to reverse that is to have prices begin to move up very, very sharply, too sharply to be um, practical at this point, in my opinion. So we've got two negative things going against the NASDAQ at this point. The other negative thing we have, which is three, the two things are the broadening top, which completed itself, the rolling over of the short-term moving average and the imminent breaking of the long-term moving average with that price. But also know that now the price itself is sitting right on or slightly above the long-term moving average. So we don't have any room for any more downside without some very critical things happening. There is a hyperwave line that comes in somewhere around 6,700 that I don't have drawn in here because I don't want this to be a discussion of hyperwave. I want this to be a discussion of other indicators <coughs> that most of you are aware of, maybe not the broadening top, and we're gonna go over those others in just a moment. The reason we are doing this vlog today where I say that there is danger in the NASDAQ is because so many things are coming together at just this point in time that would lead me to believe that the probabilities of the NASDAQ breaking down and beginning a substantial move away from the uptrend are now in front of us. That does not mean it's going to happen. Um, but you need to be aware of it because of the implications for the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial, index stocks in general, mutual funds in general, and a change in possible direction of a 10-year trend that has been going on. Uh, whenever those type of things come together, an investor needs to be very aware of the situation. Okay, I want to look at a couple of other things on this shorter term chart going up to the RSI. The relative strength index over and over again has gone into overbought territory above 70. In fact, it lived in overbought territory for a very long period of time, which goes uh, from November of last year 
all the way to February until we broke down to the midline at 50 and then tried to rally back. That rally, which ended up with the five here on the broadening top, failed. We couldn't get back into overbought territory. We then came down and hit a new low on the RSI, lower than the previous one. We had a small bounce and then we went a little bit lower, which took us down to the 200 day moving average. Since then, the RSI has bounced slightly, but in a fairly unimpressive way, in my opinion. And now it's right back down sitting on the 50 line. 50 could very well hold, but the only way it's going to is if prices begin to move up right now, today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week. But just be aware that if we break below the 50 and take out this low at about 49, we could very easily go down substantially more in terms of the relative strength index. I'd like you to look at the MACD the histogram has gone negative uh, six weeks ago, which uh, corresponds with the five on the broadening top. And it is getting wider and wider to the downside. Um, it can stay over in this territory for a very long period of time. Uh, we at least need to see the histograms getting less negative. We are not seeing that. And um, that is a negative sign in my opinion. Okay. Um, what do I do about this? Well, I've told you that um, if the NASDAQ moves down even five percent from here it's actually about three and a half percent it's going to be sitting on the hyperwave line but more damage will have been done because we will have had a death cross the rsi will drop below 50 if we drop another three and a half percent on the nasdaq and the histogram will start hitting new lows with a, an additional widening, widening between the two averages used in the MACD. So when I see the short term, this is a little consensio stuff. If you uh, go back to our vlogs where we talk about consensio and we'll try to index the vlog so you can find what you're looking for quickly. But one of the important things about uh, the concept of consensio is the relationships between moving averages and prices. And um, just because price breaks down through a short-term moving average, I usually would take no action if I'm fully invested which I have been fully invested for years in the stock market. And if you look at some of the things I said two months ago, I was very, very bullish on the stock market.
and I thought it could go uh, a lot further up. So because of that, I simply note when price drops below the short-term moving average. As you see here, what we did is we went all the way back up above the moving average on a closing basis and then went way above the moving average on a closing base. So again, even though the short-term moving average is flattening out, um, I take no action. But this candle that sealed the fact that we had a broadening top completed, I did take action in my uh, managed accounts by raising cash. And if you assume 100% invested up till that point, uh, you can also assume anywhere from 10 to 15% taken out of the market and put into cash. Also, beginning to shift assets between sectors that are had been outperforming and sectors that were performing. So the cash is step one. Step two is getting out of those things that have made a lot of money for us and moved into those things that have been more defensive, but on a relative strength, they're doing better. When the moving average actually begins to accelerate down and the price stays below that moving average, and the 200-day or the 30-week, in this case, is penetrated again, and we get a close below that moving average. Now I sit up and take notice again, because a couple of things could be happening. One is that the next bounce is not going to be able to get back to the old highs which is precisely what happened. And not only that, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, after breaking back above the moving average, we closed the week below it, which was an epic failure resulting in last week's sharp penetration once again, even though we came back and closed right on that moving average. Now the moving average is coming down quickly and it's apparent that the two are going to cross. Now, why am I not fully bearish? Because the price is still above the long-term moving average. Uh, we're getting close though today. And uh, if we close below that moving average as we did here with the shorter term moving average breaking below that longer term moving average, I will be taking additional steps to protect clients' assets. I can't tell you what those are because it has not happened. Every day that goes by now, we will get more and more information. I'm just telling you the way that I think about technical analysis relative to short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term with or without a hyperwave being involved. 
the fact that we do have a hyperwave involved and we do have this very unusual broadening top uh, leads me to believe that the proper thing to be doing is to be coming defensive and at some point in the distant future, if those steps are not enough because of how we accelerate down, we will begin looking at the 200-day moving average flattening out. And at that point, I would be taking a maximum negative um, exposure or defensive exposure. And uh, at that time, we can talk about that and what that would entail. So this is a fairly short, but very important from my perspective, communication to you about something that I am seeing in the US stock market. I've told you that what's important to me about this is the NASDAQ has led the way. It has led the way for the Dow and the S&P and the US economy. It has led the way for the consumer sentiment to be strong. And um, it has led the way for other countries around the world to feel as if they have a backstop with the US stock market. All of those things have the potential to be challenged at this point in my interpretation. So with that, I am going to go back to Leah and I'm going to get off of screen share, which I think I just did. Yep. Uh, um, and see if there are any comments or questions. There's always comments or questions. Thank you, gentlemen and ladies, hopefully also in the live chat. And also, Ty, before we sign off, let's uh, do just a little bit of uh, Bitcoin price action, if that's okay, or just speak to it. But here's your questions. Um, how is the Dow theory sell signal holding up? Uh, it's, well, the Dow theory does not have a sell signal. Um, Dow theory buy and sell signals are based just on two very simple things. The Dow and the transports hitting new highs uh, at roughly the same time. And if one does not hit a new high when the other is at roughly the same time or in a reasonable period of time, which is defined by various people in various ways, then you get a divergence between the two with the possibility of a sell signal with each of the indicators, whichever one has been the strongest, beginning to show technical signs of deterioration. Same thing is on uh, true on buy signals with the Dow theory at the bottoms. After long periods of negative activity, if one of them begins uh, acting uh, better than the other, then you have the possibility of a buy signal. But uh, as we stand here now, I will double check uh, to make sure that I am correct. I have not been following the transports recently. So we will try to answer that in our next vlog. But in general, I don't believe that there has been a sell signal given. 
Does the NASDAQ look similar to 29? Uh, there was no NASDAQ in 29. And <clears throat> that's important because the only indexes and the S&P had only been around for three years in 29. So you didn't have a lot to go on except for the Dow. And we've seen what the Dow did and what it did to the economy after it turned down. Uh, we did get a uh, Dow sell signal in uh, 1929 and 1930 with a non-confirmation. Um, and that spurred all kinds of activity with people in uh, with the Dow theory, uh, which we did a vlog on all about Charles Dow and Hamilton and Rhea and the other players. Um, but in any case, uh, does the, let's take the question and just turn it around a little bit. Does the NASDAQ today look anything like the Dow did back in 1927, 28 and 29? Um, they, they were both in hyperwaves. The NASDAQ now is in a hyperwave. The NASDAQ, by my interpretation, is a, in a wave four of a hyperwave, which is where the Dow was in 1929. Um, we do not have a sell signal from hyperwave, but I've given you the parameters by which we would get one. This is a very short four for the NASDAQ hyperwave. It looks to me and did when I talked two weeks ago and a month ago that the NASDAQ would be able to recover and go higher. When we looked at the 10 biggest stocks, there were four or five that were problematic and four or five that were not problematic, two of which were fairly neutral. Uh, so we're going to have to go back and expand that universe to maybe 25 of the biggest stocks. And we will bring to you additional uh, analysis on a broader scale. Um, but because of what I just said about the similarities of all hyperwaves when they're in phase fours and what we have just experienced with Bitcoin that went through a four, five, six and into a seven, and missed its first opportunity by bouncing off of phase three 11 times before failing, uh, that eliminated a funky hyperwave at the phase three level. We still have the possibility in Bitcoin of a funky hyperwave at the phase two level at phase four. But uh, for a lot of this is gibberish to those of you who have not gone through the entire process of listening to how each of the phases work and why um, when we get down below, uh, when we're in a phase seven, why it's such a dangerous situation. We don't want the NASDAQ to go into a phase seven. That's the long and the short of what I just said. We just don't want that to happen for all of the reasons that I just mentioned. Would you use any of the individual stocks that we've looked at, uh, specifically Netflix and Amazon, as an example? By the way, thank you, Jerry. If they break their phase four as a warning of what is to come for the overall NASDAQ? Absolutely. That's not definitive, but I love to do things in incremental steps rather than just drawing big conclusions. The reason we broke the NASDAQ down into its top 10 stocks is that gives us 
a more precise thermometer by which to measure the health of the NASDAQ. If all 10 of the top stocks that drove us up this high are doing fine, regardless of what the other NASDAQ stocks are doing, those 10 or certainly top 25 could easily hold up. But we've seen one by one uh, danger signs and now we're seeing it for the entire index. Um, we haven't, I'm not waving the red flag. I'm, I'm incrementally telling you we have gone over the last 30 days from a dangerous situation to a much more dangerous situation to where we are today, which could be critical. Great. Uh, so obviously we have GBTC. We speak about that quite often. We have ETFs down the pipeline. Could other potential securities, uh, I, obviously Grayscale is interested in putting out other funds for the different cryptos. We've spoken about this a little bit, but if you could just bring it back, the question specifically is any other securities coming potentially to be listed on the NASDAQ that would trigger um, price changes within hyperwave for Bitcoin? Um, nobody knows. Um, I have my doubts that the SEC at this point is going to go ahead and approve other ETFs or other securities that can be traded until they come out with an overall policy. I think they understand that they might have let one slip through with GBTC and now they're making it almost impossible for anyone else to get anything approved. So uh, I, I don't, I don't believe so. Okay, great. Um, given that I got to run in five, Ty. Um, uh, let's take a real quick look yeah, at Bitcoin, Bitcoin because there's a lot going on. So I'm going to quickly go back to screen share and we're going to quickly take a look Take Bitcoin. your time, Ty. We'll just we'll tell Amtrak that. Uh, yeah, know, they'll wait for Bitcoin's you. Bitcoin's more important. Just tell them who you are. They'll oh. <laughs> okay, we're sitting at eighty nine eighty nine. Um, this is a weekly chart. I've been saying that um, we had gone from a short term up where I was positive and had a target of ninety two hundred, and we went all the way up to ninety seven hundred before we turn down. We've now dropped from 9,700 to 8,900. And I have taken my positive off of the short term. I went neutral first, then I went neutral negative, and I'm still neutral negative on the short term. I'm still intermediate term negative, and I'm long term negative because of hyperwave. Now, I'm going to go to the daily, and uh, this is what we're looking uh, like for the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve days. We've gone sideways with ups. The first one, and then the second one opened at the top and then closed lower. We tried again, and this low is below this low, we have lows below lows. We haven't had those for a while. They are not dramatic, however. Uh, this was dramatic because we went above these highs and a lot of people 
became very bullish and very angry that I was holding to an intermediate and long-term negative here because that was a substantial move when we got above this high. We are now back into that same territory again, and it's too early to tell what's going to happen. So I'm not changing my stance that we're in a neutral zone with a negative bias on the short side uh, on, on the, on the short-term uh, daily charts. If we take out these lows, which I said in a tweet today, somewhere down around the 87.50 level, if we take those out and close below them, I think we could drop down to 7,500 fairly quickly. Um, so my thinking has not changed ever since the top um, at 19,000. We said over and over again, if you go back and listen to the vlogs, that the trend is down, be patient. When we got stuck between 10,000 and 11,000, I said there was tremendous resistance at 11,100 and 10,100. And we went for weeks not being able to get over those prices. I continued to say the trend is down. Nothing has changed with that. The long-term trend is still down. The intermediate term, because we're only talking about four months here, is still down. Yes, I define intermediate as weeks, and we've gone beyond weeks. And the fact that we had four weeks up here came very close to turning my intermediate term into a neutral. But now we have begun uh, a, a sloppy week in which maybe this four week bounce is coming to an end. So we'll have to just wait and watch day by day for what happens, but that doesn't change what I'm saying. And thank you all for asking me to define those terms, long, intermediate and short term in, in the way that I define it for this particular asset class. Uh, it's different for other asset classes, but my short term is days, my intermediate term is weeks, and my long term is months. And now we've got going on to four months of a downtrend. We are negative in terms of the MACD. We are negative in terms of the stop and reverse points um, that we've shown over and over again. Um, so that isn't going to change until we're able to break through those levels. So um, I don't want it to happen. I, you know, I want us to break out to the upside. And as soon as I see it, I'll, uh, I'll be telling you that, uh, okay, I think we're all clear. Time to jump back in the pool. And with that, thank you very much for listening. Uh, act accordingly. And anybody that would like to um, um, talk to us specifically about uh, a consulting service, uh, we are attempting to build that up um, because we believe there are some critical junctures um, directly ahead, not only in cryptocurrencies, but also now in the stock market. Absolutely. And 
<laughs> Thanks, Ty. And uh, to everybody's other questions, if um, potentially I'm reading through the lines a little correctly, uh, we will update everybody on what we're seeing and following for the SEC. Obviously, being here in Washington, D.C., um, following it quite closely. Um, but yeah, as of right now, they're absolutely dragging their feet. They they look like they have no idea what's going on, or there's a lot of people whispering in their ears and making them a little confused. Um, so no big updates on that front, but uh, definitely as it is extraordinarily important in our world and how we decide to invest, how we decide to trade, how we decide to view the markets. I see the fundamentals, correct, absolutely correct. So. Um, to note, we'll, we'll absolutely continue to um, discuss any happenings, uh, CFTC, SEC, on the Hill, um, et cetera. Uh, on Tone's Morning Brief, we talk a lot about international governments, but we'll follow the NASDAQ a little bit more um, closely here. So uh, with that said, everybody have a great day. Thank you so much. I will vlog with you guys from New York City. Ty. Thank you very much, Leah, for uh, doing this uh, at such a... Uh short time frame. I know you've got to run and jump on a train. Thank you, everybody. Sorry we didn't give you more notice, but uh, um, I just thought we needed to talk before the market closed today. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.